Welcome to the Food and Drink Business Podcast. Your on-the-go bite of the food and beverage industry. Welcome to the Food and Drink Business Podcast. My name's Grant McCarran, and today I'm once again joined by Kim Berry, the editor of Food and Drink Business and the host of this show. G'day, Kim. How are you doing today? Hi, Grant. I'm very well indeed. Fantastic. And I know that you are going to be very excited about this episode. Oh, so totally. Uh, I mean, just it brings together two of my favourite things, sustainable <laughs> brewing. <laughs> yes. So let's get to it. There are few beer lovers in Australia who do not know and indeed drink a beer from Young Henry's. Its new towner is as well known and loved as the mighty KB, uh, just with a lot better flavour. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, since it launched in Sydney's new town just over 10 years ago, the brewery has continued to produce highly drinkable and very popular brews, as well as recently developing its own ginger beer and a ready-to-drink G&T, which recently scooped the prize pool at the London Spirits Competition, including RTD of the Year, Best Spirit by Quality, and a Gold Award. Tremendous. But here's the kicker. Young Henry's is actually so much more than all of that. I know, dear listener, if you could see Grant's face, he's just going, no, it's not. It's all about the beer. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> beer is everything. Beer is the life. Uh, but- uh, Young Henry's has just been awarded a B Corp certification, reflecting its ingrained commitment, not just to sustainability in the environment, but across its practices, its people, the community and its customers. Today, we're joined by co-founder and all-round legend, hashtag not sponsored, Oscar McMahon to find out more. Hi, Oscar. Hi, guys. How are you? It's so nice to be here. <laughs> I thought I thought you dropped out in like a, you know embarrassment at that point. <laughs> uh, you can't see that I'm blushing. Though. I know, I know, and that, that, that's another thing, dear listener. Today, I, I do not have a visual of Oscar, so I can't take any cues, visual cues, <laughs> which is unnerving and both and maybe even freeing, but I don't think so. Anyway, um, welcome to the show, Oscar. Thank you very much. When you and your co-founder Richard Adamson set out, what was the ultimate goal? Was it really, we just want to make a beer and we just, you know, sell it to our mates? Or did you have a bigger picture in your mind? I think that the probably the most important pervading thought in those early days was that we wanted to make a company that was in, in line with our values as people. And it was, I guess it was less about thinking about what that beer would be and more about what the company would be. And that the beers are the beers are just a product of a company that has a shared set of values. And while while that was really fun to sort of dream up and think about in the early days, uh, it's really been our strength because as we've added people throughout the years, we are now nearly an eleven year old business with you know eighty something people who all live and breathe a value set and all are like-minded. And that is really where, that's where really where the strength of the Young Henry's company and brand comes from, is that sort of shared, shared value set. Because um, if you've got a delivery driver and a brewer and a salesperson and a marketing person, um, they're all working in very different vocations. They have very different brain types. You know, they are, 
solving problems in very different ways. But essentially, if you can get people that are like-minded all working towards the same goal, that's when a company really, you know, hits the ground and starts running. That's so interesting, you know, because you you do often get that real dichotomy in an organisation where there is not that cohesion across the people who work there, whether they're on a factory floor or whether they are in marketing or they're in finance. You know, I was talking to my husband the other day and he was telling me about when he was a young lad and worked at the Holden factory in Adelaide and that the men on the production line used to call head office, which was a separate building on the site, they used to call it the bull shack. So you don't have everyone in that company all working with a similar plan like you, like what you've engendered there, Oscar. Well, yeah, we, we kind of try to give respect to everyone within the beer-making ecosystem. And that even comes down to, I mean, if, if one of our brewers comes up with a beer concept, the accounts people need to order in the, the malt, you know, and the hops, we need to have a brew team look after it over the two to three weeks that it's in production. We need a marketing team to market it. We need our sales team to sell it. We need our logistics and warehousing team to look after it and get it to where it needs to go. Then we need our delivery drivers to lower it into the cellar. We need the cellar people to treat the lines well and care about the beer. And then we need bartenders who actually know about the beer, who pour a good beer and to talk with love to their customers because they're on the front lines. If you don't show respect to every single part of all of those links in that ecosystem and you're just putting, say, your brewers on a pedestal, for example, which, I mean, they deserve to be, you just have this lopsided thing where only one small part of that whole ecosystem is sort of getting the love or getting the the glory and it's just not the case. So, one of the Well, the thing with B Corp certification is that you have to actually be able to demonstrate how your, how your company is showing an ingrained commitment across five different areas. And as I mentioned in the intro, um, that includes how, how you work, but also your people, but also the community. So I think it's one thing. I mean, every company has a mission statement. How do you actually activate it? How does it? become almost like an actionable item within the business? I guess the the value system that we wrote for Young Henry's before we even brewed a single drop of beer has put us in really good stead towards being a B Corp and all of the activities that we have done in the charity space, live music space, local community, but also we treat any community where we have team. So, you know, Southeast Queensland, Byron, South Australia, Victoria, you know, ACT, uh, you know, to, to name a few, Wollongong, Newcastle, anywhere where we've got people, they are surrounded by community and that is their community. So we deem that as our community as well. I think that all that, that is a mindset is quite healthy for a company, especially a company which is, uh, needs to, is so dependent on people. Uh, B Corp is a really nice structure. It's a really simple and understandable structure. And while it is great that we have been certified, your first certification is a big piece of work. 
but it's actually a commitment to be better in three years. We need to be recertified, which means an in- another international audit, and we need to beat all of our existing scores to be recertified in three years. So B Corp is a framework for businesses basically agreeing to change the way they do business and to have more positive impact across a bunch of different variables, you know, and that's, we've had to rewrite the constitution of our business to include a paragraph around, uh, we will not put profits over people. You know, it, it's actually changing the dynamic. And if you get enough businesses around the world becoming B Corp, you actually shift the narrative of, I think, capitalism in many ways. Mm. I, and I think we are. I think we are seeing more of that. I think perhaps COVID did sort of accelerate that a bit for some companies, at least. I fully agree with that. I think that people people who had good workplace culture saw the value of that workplace culture through COVID. They had people who remained engaged. They had people who did the right thing, you know, by the company. We had to we had to stand down pretty much our whole team because when the pubs shut, our revenue shut. And we then had to start bringing people, different people on in like part-time or we had to, like every workplace, we had to reimagine every single thing that we were doing. And when you are doing that, you get a really sharp focus on what is important in your business and what is great about your business. And for us, we saw firsthand that our workplace culture and our people, that was our strength. They were the people that actually pulled us out when the COVID restrictions were lifted as well. And if anyone has ever questioned the financial value of workplace culture, I think people learned that. They learned that really quickly during COVID. Mm, yeah. Um, let's look at some of the sustainability projects that you have worked on. And the one in particular, which I know that Young Henry's is really known for, but I want a full and thorough update, please. Absolutely. <laughs> is the work that, um, is the, is uh, the project that you've been doing with the University of Technology in Sydney, looking to reduce carbon emissions. And um, it, it began three years ago. So I'm pretty certain a lot's happened since then. How's it going? Yeah, well, look, the, the, uh, what we refer to as the algae project, uh, it, actually started, <laughs> it actually started about five years ago and we've been- Oh, gosh, in, sorry. No, no, that's okay. Um, and we've been funding four years of research now. We met some people from UTS and what they're doing is in the climate change cluster, they are studying deeply the positive effect that microalgae can have on our world, as in it is a microorganism that can decarbonize and can create oxygen um, at a much higher rate than, uh, than trees. So they are researching this. We met them in a conversation. We found out that, oh, brewer's yeast is a microorganism that lives in a liquid environment. It eats sugar, creates alcohol, and farts out CO2. Microalgae does the opposite. Yes. It's a microorganism living in a liquid environment. It eats CO2. It creates more algae and releases oxygen. Oh, okay. Interesting. There's a yin and yang 
a yin and yang sort of organism scenario here. And so then we, we went down this road of, well, let's see if we can maybe offset some of the CO2 that we create in, in our brewery using, micro org- using microalgae. We are now at a stage where we are trying to commercialize and we're installing a prototype to basically stop our brewery releasing CO2. We're going to make our brewery release oxygen instead and all the microalgae that we'll use to create oxygen and stop releasing CO2, what are we going to do with that? We're going to feed it to cows to reduce the amount of methane that they emit. So basically the microalgae becomes this waste product. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Now, there are amazing projects around the world, people trying to create things to decarbonize industries. What's really nice about this is that our proposition is to add a little bit more kit to an existing brewery. We're not saying you need to create a whole new facility. We're saying just add a little bit of extra kit and you can stop releasing CO2. You can start creating oxygen instead. And then you've got this waste product that could help a whole other industry. So this is something, well, I guess, you know, I mean, I mean, I guess a brewery is a brewery. And so what you've been doing at Young Henry's can literally be installed at other other breweries. And then you could end up with <laughs> an entire industry putting oxygen back into the air rather than CO2. That's what you, essentially this could be. Is that right? That is exactly what our aim is. We want this to be completely scalable. <laughs> wow. This does not just fit on a microbrewery. In fact, I think it's probably going to be easier to fit it into some of the macrobreweries, uh, some of the big breweries, because they will already have more complicated and complex systems. Some of them already might have an element of CO2 recovery. We can just add in algae. And also remember, brewers around the world donate their spent brewery grains to the livestock industry as feed. That is already an existing link around the world, every continent of the globe where there's beer. So that's already a supply chain. That's already a supply chain or logistics chain that, that exists. Exactly. So how, how, we, how we scale this is, um, is really the, the big thing ahead of us. But CO2 is a massive uh, greenhouse gas Obviously, in Australia and around the world, it is one of the most important things for us to reduce. Methane, um, in its 20-year life, actually has 86 times the impact of CO2, but it's a shorter, it has a shorter lifespan. Uh, in Australia, methane is significant, and it's probably one of the gases that we need to focus on first as we get to you know, run towards our 2030 and 2050 targets. So I guess what's really nice about this is we think that this is helpful, we think it is scalable, and we think it's actually digestible because not only do we need to have the industrial buy-in, but think about the consumer. If you are putting a proposition to a consumer saying, if you drink this beer, it would lower the methane emissions of the steak that you want to, you want to eat later on, I think you get you get customer buy-in as well. Well, and I think one of the things that this strikes me as as doing is that it's shown across all consumer trends at the moment that consumers want that provenance of what they're eating and, and drinking and they want to, but at the same time, they are completely overwhelmed by 
things that are happening globally, whether it's the environment or geopolitical tensions, it, it doesn't matter. And so to me, this combines both of those things in that they, you know, whatever beer you drink, you have an allegiance generally to that beer or that brand. And then if you know that that brand is doing something completely visible and measurable to make a difference to the environment, then it's, I think it's, it's that whole, it's, it becomes a, it becomes a cycle where people start to feel less, they feel like, well, I know it's a small thing, but I'm doing something like by supporting this business that's doing this. Kim, I think you're absolutely right. This is the race for businesses to change their outputs and their emissions because people, the reason we're in this mess is that people don't like changing their personal habits. So for businesses to win in the future, they need to actually adjust and become, hey, we're the beer company that you feel okay still supporting so that you don't, so that you aren't, the, the worst thing that could happen for humanity is for sustainability or climate science to seem completely unpalatable, unreachable, and for people to disassociate and just say, oh, f- too hard, whatever, we're f-. Um, You know, we don't want people thinking that it is unattainable or it's out of their hands. Businesses and the private sector, it is our position and our place to reimagine our offerings to actually allow consumers to make those choices every day with their wallets. So when it's, I mean, I'm not sure, but uh, say a brewery of your size, how many carbon emissions is that, is this process going to remove? So at this point in time, we are, uh, we are installing a, our first commercial prototype. So as of this afternoon, <laughs> our brewery is now all of our CO2 is actually getting captured. So that is the first, that is the first step towards us being able to have a clear trackable view on how much CO2 that creates, how much we need to reuse, and then how much can be fed through the algae. Once we've got that, we will also be able to track how much CO2 we are no longer purchasing. And we're going to be able to have a commercial proposition to any brewery saying that per liter or per million liters of production, it's going to cost probably this much to implement the system. You are going to save this much in CO2 and you are going to create this much much oxygen. So I think that it's probably going to be, the proposition is probably going to have a three-year payback. That's what we're going for. So in the the capital expenditure world, (laughs) especially breweries, where (laughs) um, they're quite capitally intensive businesses, a three-year payback on something that has environmental benefit, I think that wins every day. Yeah, absolutely. That's um th- that is so exciting. We're very excited about it as well. I think um I think also what's really exciting is that we are in a phase where if you talk to other business owners like <laughs> like you both do all the time, there is an attitude and there is uh people are ready for change. People are open-minded. I think where this is a really exciting, this is going to be the 10 years where we have to get the most work done. And I think the business community is up for it. I think people are 
there is not a lot of skepticism getting around. People are open-minded and saying, okay, if you've got a potential solution, let's see where this goes. What do you need? How, do, how could we help? How could we be a, be a part of this? Um, and I guess it's, it's really lovely to be a part of the brewing industry, which is very collegial, very friendly, a lot of really great uh, entrepreneurial and progressive creative minds within the brewing industry. And to have something like this coming out, we've been getting hit up by people all over the place going, oh, this is cool. I get this. I'd really like to talk more. We, our business would love to do it when it's ready, you know. Um, and I think what's exciting is that that's happening in every industry at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think um, there's just so much excitement around seeing a lot of these, a lot of this research that has been going on for a very long time and a lot of the technologies reaching this point to where you and I are talking about this today and that, you know, as you said, it's just an extra bit of kit and you'll get it, you know, your return on it within three years. I mean, for any any business that's kind of becomes a no-brainer. I, I, would, I would think so. And it also has an ability to give a mark to a brand or a product that will keep them within the consideration set of their consumers. I mean, what is B Corp? B Corp is a mark. It is a movement which anyone that has that B on their packaging, you know that they have been transparent enough to be audited to actually show um, and, and prove claims of hey, this is how we treat our people. This is how we treat our local community. This is how we treat our customers, you know. Um, this is how we govern our business. And I think that as consumer nows around what these different marks mean, I think you're going to see, I mean, people, the word organic, you know, they're like that means something to a shopper, you know. Um, so I think that these different marks are going to, especially as the you know the news is going to, the news is going to go in two two different ways. I think it's going to get a little bit more alarmist, and I think it's going to get a little bit more frightening as we run and jump over the one point five degrees that we were supposed to not hit. Yeah, um, but I think also it's going to get exciting as new technologies and new movements and new concepts are birthed and adopted. And I think it's something that we always, we see a lot of in the food and beverage industry in particular, because I think across the board within food and beverage, you get a lot of those personality types that you were talking about within the, you know, within the brewing community in Australia, that they're forward thinking and they're, they, you know, have are innovative. And they're also, we're very, it's a very public sector in terms of People are, you know, they're products <laughs> yes. that people not only just want to buy but kind of need to to sort of survive. And so um, there is potential. There, the potential there is so great. Yeah, I agree with that. There's also this really amazing level of empathy because these are human businesses. You know, you think of the hospitality industry, it's transparent. It is people in a room together. There is, has to be so much empathy and understanding, but also you've got such an amazing power to spread positive messages, you know, because that's where people come together. They share stories. The dinner table story is, you know, old school viral marketing, right? 
Um, actually, do you know what? Have you ever heard of a – there's a salon uh, called Paloma and it is owned by a woman named Paloma Garcia and she has been working with Environmental Leadership Australia and she is doing education nights with other hairdressers around climate science and climate change because she wanted hairdressers to use their platform and their conversations to be able to make meaningful change to their customers. What a brilliant idea. You don't, you don't have to go and do what we've done or you don't have to create a whole movement. You, what, what have I got? I've got customers. Okay, I've got, I've got conversation, I've got relationship and I've got trust. That's an important platform. How can I use that to, you know, she has, she's assessed what she has and she's turned that into a superpower. I think, can you imagine if every business just did that once? That's, that's, that's the world changed. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's a really big part of it in terms of us not reducing the level of overwhelm is you can do something even within your own home or you can do something within your own group of friends or you can do something within your own local sporting group that you're a part of. Um, and I think th- what she's doing is just <laughs> genius. It that's really fantastic. is. <laughs> if, you can, if you can change one person's mind, that's the world changed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so tell me, what now? <laughs> what's what's ahead? Is there something what's what's also on the list looking looking you know down the track? Well, I think that as as the algae project um, grows up a little bit, uh, within the next few months, the algae project is actually going to have its own brand and company name. So we'll be back right. in touch about that once that's able to be forward facing. And we are going yes, to... Yes, please. And that will be your company? That will be a company that's coming out of Young Henry's? Yes, it will be. But it also might have some other friends involved mm, as well. Fantastic. Nice. Well, that's part of that's part of your attitude towards, you know, a community. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, better together, <laughs> all of that. Oh, all of that. It's, it's an exciting and a daunting phase for us because we are essentially an 11-year-old beer business with this little startup as well and we're <laughs> yes. about to we're about to try and commercialize and scale up this concept which is really exciting it's very reminiscent of the early days of young henrys but we've at least got 11 years of mistakes um, under our belt that we are trying not to repeat oh look it's just it's just tremendous, Oscar. It's been so wonderful talking to you today. I knew, I knew that this was, you know, there was so much more sort of going on than than what I was, than what I knew, and I knew that it had progressed. And it's so wonderful to hear where it's heading. Thank you very much for taking the time. I really appreciate. Uh, I really appreciate when people actually get the science and get the potential impact, um, and. Mm. I think also what you guys are doing is you're sharing positive stories with people who, you know, the business community who actually have the ability to, to make change. And that's a really important platform. Yeah. Well, as you were just saying, you know, if you can change one person's mind, I think for us at Food and Drink Business, we're very much of that position as well. If we can either connect one 
one person with another or connect a business with another or, or yeah, just let one person know that something's out there that they could access and, and use in their business for good, then, you know, we're pretty, we're pretty chuffed. I agree with that. And long shall that be the case. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Grant, what do you reckon? It's pretty tremendous, isn't it? Yeah, this has been great. Really enjoyed the discussion and uh, listening in and long may the algae bloom. <laughs> God, you are a dad, aren't you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's appalling. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> oh, well, look, thank you once again, Oscar. It's just, it's been an absolute delight to talk to you. Thank you guys so much for your time. Enjoy your weekends. Thanks, Oscar. You too. And thanks, Kim. And of course, thanks to our audience for joining us today, whether it's midweek or a weekend that you're listening to us. Don't forget, if you enjoyed what you've heard, you can tell a colleague about us so they too can benefit from this show. And of course, we'll be back in the not too distant future with another informative discussion. But until then, have a great day. You've been listening to the Food and Drink Business Podcast, produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Food and Drink Business, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of food and drink business, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast's audio, please contact us via our website or send an email to editor at foodanddrinkbusiness.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's food and beverage industry at foodanddrinkbusiness.com. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.